Welcome to episode 58 of the GSD Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Jules Instatoya. Running a successful business never comes without its challenges, but it also includes a lot of highs. In this GSD Entrepreneur Podcast, we explore both. We dive into what it looks like when entrepreneurs are committed to getting done. These are people who are pursuing their dreams, so we dig deep to understand just how they're doing it. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Lisa Abernathy is a wealth of knowledge, but not just any knowledge, a kind that most people just don't have. She's been classically trained in Chinese medicine and has devoted her life to understanding the body and what makes it so amazing. This training has caused her to be the founder of Blue Heron Acupuncture and Apothecary in the West Ashley area of Charleston, South Carolina. You'll see by this episode that Lisa is nurturing, caring, wildly insightful, calming, and the kind of person you want to see help you figure out what's quote-unquote off in your life and get you back to optimal living. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Welcome to another episode of GSD Entrepreneur Podcast, and I'm here with my co-host, my lovely co-host, as always, Tatoya. Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's sort of a rainy, dreary day, but yeah. not in our studio. Never. No, no. Yeah. Especially not today, because we have a guest that I think is going to be completely fascinating to you as a listener. So we've never had a guest like this before who owns an acupuncture and apothecary business. Uh, and so we have in practice. our practice, yeah. firm, company, organization, <laughs> my thesaurus. <laughs> but we have Lisa Abernathy, the founder of uh, Blue Heron Acupuncture acupuncture and Apothecary. That's a mouthful. Yeah. But for people like me who are sort of sing-songy when they talk, <laughs> yeah. which that was a conversation we had before we got on the microphone. That there are elements, and so I think Lisa will get into all of that based on her Chinese medicine background, which is super fascinating and fun. So we are in for a really big treat um, with Lisa today. And Lisa, how do we know Lisa? Why don't you tell? Well, I know Lisa, and you know Lisa, but I know Lisa through her husband, Mm -hmm. Seth, who is one of my brother's best friends, or is my brother's best friend. They have a huge bromance. Yeah. I'm one of your brother's best friends, yeah, too. Yeah, but I met <laughs> Seth. That's right. I met Seth yeah. on a cruise he, my, oh, he, really? years ago with my brother. He oh, and my wow. brother went on this cruise. And Seth told me to call him Seth. <laughs> that his name was Seth. <laughs> and so I left that cruise. I mean, this is years ago. Probably 20 years ago. It was when they first became friends. So I left that cruise thinking his name was Seth. <laughs> And so I didn't call him that the whole time. Yeah, I, I didn't figure out until later that his name was Seth. <laughs> um, and uh, they were on the cruise. And then they brought another friend, Michael, who took this little mm-hmm. plastic dinosaur everywhere and took pictures of it. So, um, yeah, that was year. Yeah. I bet that was fun. It was a lot of fun. They're so, crazy. So crazy. I met Seth. Yeah, he's like my other little brother. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yes, you and Lauren and Brandon, my sister in law, my brother, um, and Seth are best friends. And, yeah, do all tons of, tons of stuff together and now have children all together and not together, but <laughs> all around the same age. And Yep, they're buddies. They yep. FaceTime together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so this is like I a big know. family affair on this podcast Absolutely. right here. I love it. I love it. Well, we have been wanting to get you on this podcast, Lisa, for, I mean, a while. Yeah. A while. And okay. I feel like we finally just made it happen. So we're really excited about the next 45 or 50 minutes or so, however long. Um, however long we want to talk. So let's get into it. Let's, we'll stop talking. Let's get you to just talk about you and your background and how you got to where you are now. So tell us as much or as little of that as you want. Sure. Um, well, I lived in Charleston more than anywhere else when I was younger. My dad was Air Force and we were stationed here when I was about four to seven or eight and then moved around a few different places, mostly in the South. And when he retired, we came back to Charleston. I went into high school out in Goose Creek at Stratford High School. And that was returning from two years in Saudi Arabia, which was our uh, most um, 
exotic <laughs> stationing. It was also, a t um, I loved it. It was an amazing couple years and then just a wonderful experience. So it was a, an interesting transition yeah. to Goose Creek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Saudi Arabia. What's Saudi, just what's the like topography of Saudi Arabia like? Well, it's desert. Okay. It's just straight up desert. Um, so where flat? we were, we were, yeah, it was, it's mostly flat. Where we were in Riyadh, the capital is flat. Um, but certain parts of it get to be more hilly, but it's still desert, so like mm -hmm. dunes. And we had a trip um, one time to a mountainous region of it, which was completely different than, than mm. the rest. But it, yeah, it's its own thing. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing compares. And, but it was an amazing experience being at an international school and knowing some wonderful people and getting to be exposed to this just vastly different culture wow. and foods and you know wearing the garb when you would go out to yes, the public you had to wear covers i was um i think 13 14 so i didn't mm -hmm. have to cover my face at the t at that age but did have to cover hair and clothes when we went out to the public markets we went to a school where we had to, we didn't have to wear that mm -hmm. had to cover your legs but we would mostly wear like t-shirts and jeans that sort of thing um, but the religious police would come and yell at you, and um, there's a thing scary. religious police. That's what they're called. Yeah. Oh, wow. They have a specific name. I don't remember yeah. now. Right. Um, and we would go do like sightseeing adventure things out in the desert, like looking for caves and checking out camels, and it's just a completely different world. So I loved and it. And then you moved to Goose Creek. And then I moved Creek. back to Goose Creek. <laughs> Goose Creek. <laughs> And I'm sure a lot of people love Goose Creek, but I had <laughs> that part out. Um, so it was a tough, <laughs> it was a different transition coming back here. Well, Goose um, Creek was different back then than it is now. I mean, Goose true. Creek is, has changed a lot. So yeah, it's true. So it, that was a big transition. <laughs> and I was in high school here, and then I went to my first year of college at the College of Charleston. But then I was really ready for a change. Again, and you know, used to moving around, so moved to North Carolina for a while, moved out to California for a while, which I loved, and then um, moved to Asheville. And it was one of those funny things because I didn't, my, it was my ex-husband's idea to move to Asheville. I wasn't really feeling it. Um, I was still working part-time for the homeless shelter out in California. I worked for doing grant writing, which I loved. I loved Oakland, California, hated to leave. Um, did great. you finish? You didn't finish college, Charleston. No, I finished at Appalachian State. Okay. Green. Okay. So you went. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I went up there, fell in love with the mountains. Had never had much experience getting outside into nature. Um, so my ex got me into backpacking and hiking, and just loved that and loved the mountains. So that was a um, a huge growing period for me, and a lot of learning, a lot of shaping where I ended up. Um, because he was really into healthy food and things I just hadn't been exposed to as a 19-year-old yet, mm -hmm. um, and getting outside and um, just a lot of different things. Um, he was into what you would call, I guess, like interpersonal psychology, more spiritual-oriented psychology, uh, which isn't something I've studied, but I learned a lot about it through him, went to hear a lot of speakers, that sort of thing. Um, it's different from Chinese medicine, but it kind of, Parallels. Mm -hmm. yeah, it yeah. works. It works nice and copacetically with it. Mm. And then we went out to California to Oakland for a few years, which was fantastic. I loved it. It was very in sync with the people out there. Um, you know, more more liberal-minded community. Such a diverse place as far as people. Mm -hmm. Again, food experiences, getting outside, hiking, just really able to continue that interest. And I've always been. Um, always been interested. Do you want me to pause? Okay. Um, in giving back and in doing for other people and in helping, you know, improve the world and the lives of people that I, you know, as I can. Um, so I worked for a homeless shelter out there doing administrative work, and that was um, really instrumental in my growth and kind of getting me to where I am too. Um, because I loved it and I worked with amazing people and my boss, Wendy Jackson, was just one of my favorite humans on the mm. planet and really good at like 
guiding the ship of us and, wow. you know, seeing people's strengths and encouraging you <clears throat> to, you know, to grow and um, to take on more responsibility as you, you know, saw fit, that kind of thing. Were you in the day-to-day operations? Like, you were were you with the homeless? I, mean, and were... I was doing administrative office okay. stuff. So I <coughs> knew a lot of the people because it was in the homeless mm-hmm. shelter. Um, but I was doing, you know, that piece of it, bookkeeping. Um, we were invoicing for government grants that mm-hmm. we had received, correspondence, human resources. Mm-hmm. I was the youngest person, so I was the tech person, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> writing newsletters. And then I got into grant writing through that, through the opportunity working there. So I started doing that. Then we decided to move back east um, to try to be closer to family and went to Asheville. Um, and it was an interesting time because I really... Um, if it were up to me, I probably would have gone to the Raleigh-Durham area instead. Um, Asheville's gorgeous. The food is amazing. The hiking is awesome. The people are really friendly. But it's really not my place. <laughs> Sounds super weird. I love to go visit. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't feel pulled to it. And so we went to this place that, eh, I'm like, okay, I'll try it. But it wasn't like I was called to go there. And I was still doing grant writing for Oakland part-time and I needed a part-time job. So I was looking for something that would hopefully be like pretty simple and leave it at work so I could go home and do my other job. And I randomly got a job working in the front office of this acupuncture school. And I was looking for nonprofit or in some other way, like positive contribution to the world Mm -hmm. jobs. And I felt like, okay, well, this is like a holistic health thing. It's probably a positive thing doing some good. Mm So I'll go work there. And, um, Basically, lived in Nashville and worked at that job for a year and um, didn't love it. Uh, <laughs> didn't. No. Um, I'm trying to be polite. Um, <laughs> uh, but you do so well. Well, I did. Well, I, I served a, a good need for them when I was there. It was a mm. time that they really needed someone strong in administrative stuff. But I didn't like the job. And I started, um, fortunately, they let me shift into being the college clinic manager, which I did like. So that was helping kind of run the day-to-day operations of the acupuncture clinic that the students were seeing patients in. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. I loved being around the herbs. I liked working with the students and supporting them in the work they were doing with patients. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed that a lot more. Um, but I never even thought about the possibility of me doing acupuncture until my boss there um, one day was like, Lisa, you should go to school to do acupuncture. And if she had not said that, I don't think it would have ever crossed my mind that I could do that. Hmm. Um, I'm also one of the most terrified people of needles you'll ever meet. I've no. only seen in my work <laughs> one or two people well, who's more ironic. afraid of needles than me. Um, the, the, the thing, though, is it means I understand um, when people are nervous about mm-hmm. it and hmm. can really work and support them. I think a lot of us can. But um, it also means I had to face a lot of fears <laughs> yeah. to, to do this work. But I'm terrified of needles. So it was, um, I had no interest in trying acupuncture. It was six months of my working there before they finally convinced me to go get a treatment when I had a cold. They were like, well, pay for it. Just go. Um, the person who did my treatment was able to get like three needles in me. That was it. Um, which is kind of funny because he's someone who is known for like really intense needling stimulation. Like that's his thing. And on me, he had to just basically be like, tap, tap, (laughs) there you go. Mm -hmm. But I felt amazing afterwards. I got better really like so much more quickly than I normally would. And what definitely what really draws me to the medicine is the emotional support it can offer in addition to the physical support. It makes a tremendous difference for neurotransmitter balance, uh, so brain chemistry, um, and your sense of well-being. And I felt fantastic, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> this can do this." Hmm. I'm, I'm much more interested now. And so I started going to the students for treatment every week. It still was a while before, like it, really just the first few. But the first few treatments, I was still terrified mm-hmm. and <laughs> had to be really I love, co- I love that story. <laughs> I love it that you that was like your one of your biggest fears 
Oh, yeah. Now it's become your passion. I mean, not necessarily that needles yeah. have become your passion, but what they do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, um, I went for treatment. I was just so amazed at how how well it worked, at how much better I felt, at how much more strong my health became. And I love that the medicine really has a poetry and a beauty to it, which is not something everyone would just automatically know, that there's this real art to it. So it is really a beautiful, balanced combination of science and art. Mm -hmm. A lot of people... But until you go try acupuncture or learn more about it, a lot of people have misconceptions, and I did too, about what it is. You know, I, I think a lot of people, and I say this based on my experience, think it's just going to be some woo-woo thing where someone's just sticking mm. points wherever they feel like it, and it's really not. It's, um, it's an incredibly complex and specific system that's a whole medical system, meaning we can treat and work with any condition going on um, in the body, physical, mental, or emotional. It's a four-year full-time graduate degree program. And I always did well in school, but it was the hardest thing I've I remember when you done. were going through that school. You were, you were gone. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was gone. I was coming back and forth most weekends mm-hmm. um, because, of, you know, at first just kind of wanting to stay in touch with Charleston, and I had a home with my sister, and then meeting Seth and wanting to maintain that relationship. And I was planning to come back to set up my practice, so... It made sense in a practical way to me to keep in touch with the place to really stay stay <clears throat> in it, um, so that when I was ready to come back, I you know could do that smoothly, and that is what happened. But it's an incredibly tough medicine to learn, mm. uh, which no one would guess. You know, you just wouldn't have any idea, um, and it's very specific as to the patterns that we're looking at what diagnoses we're treating, what points are used, where they're located, all these different things. But there's also this real beauty to it. The points have names, and some of them are not so fascinating. It might be like central location, you know, <laughs> central man. But other ones are have names like Gate of Hope. or Really? Yeah, Window of the Sky. Um, hmm. Or Sea of Illumination that the name tells you a lot about what the point does and what its function is, but also how it affects someone emotionally. And so it's really beautiful to study the medicine and see, like, I'm interested in that part. I'm interested in the art of it. So if it lacked that piece, I probably wouldn't have been engaged enough to Mm -hmm. go commit to all of that and go through it all because it was a lot. How many points do you have in the body? On the body, I mean, is it endless um, or is it? It's there, something you have... like well, I should know this exactly, but I believe it's three about three hundred and sixty-five points. Actually, it's very mm-hmm. Chinese medicine is based completely on the natural world, and so there are twelve channels, um, which is plus two um, that go up the front, uh, center, and back center of the body, um, but very reflective of the cosmos and of the world we're in. So the points kind of match up to the days of the year, but then there are some extra points that have been thrown in because of their empirical use, meaning these were the classical points, and then people later kind of found some points off-channel that were like what we would call... They, they were probably more what we would call Asher points, which mean like tender, palpable points mm-hmm. that even though they're not a specific channel point, this point's really good for such and such, like trigger points in Western medicine. That those kind of points are what we might use to say, get these muscles to loosen up, or, or mm. this or that. So there were some extra points added later because of their empirical use. Um, but there are a lot. There are 12 primary channels. And then I studied classical Chinese medicine, and I'm so glad I did. Uh, the other schools are fantastic, and people can treat just as strongly. But um, before I went to school, I didn't realize that the difference between the different types of acupuncture schools. And I'm so glad I went to a classical Chinese medicine school because it, well, it was in part founded by Jeffrey Yuen, who's an 88th generation Taoist priest, who's really the leader in bringing classical Chinese medicine back, like around the globe, not Mm -hmm. just in the States, but around the world. And a lot of this, the meridian systems or the Mm -hmm. systems that Chinese medicine uses were lost when communism went into China in the mid-1900s. 
the good thing about that happening was that Chinese medicine got standardized so it could be taught. Before that, it was really an apprentice program, you know, mm -hmm. like a decade mm -hmm. apprenticing with someone following them around. These doctors were all over the country, you know, going to villages and whatnot. Um, so if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't have been able to learn it because it wouldn't have, you know, become this thing that was mm. taught via traditional Chinese medicine, TCM, that was then brought over to the, to the States. Um, but at the same time, um, a lot of, so when that happened, basically a committee sat down and said, okay, what are the most important points? These are used to treat this. These are used to treat this. They standardized it. Um, but they dropped some of the more... Um, deep in some of the more surface uh, meridians that are used to treat conditions as well. And sometimes those are more applicable, mm -hmm. those other meridian mm -hmm. channels. And we see that in practice. A lot of the time we use the primaries, the more day-to-day -day function channels. Often we get really great results, but for some people or some circumstances, we need to go to a different one to really achieve results. Mm -hmm. um, so it's I'm so glad I was able to learn these other tools to use. Mm -hmm. And Jeffrey, Jeffrey Ewan just brings like this depth um, to the medicine that's inspiring and reminds us of what the purpose is, why we're mm -hmm. doing it, that kind of thing. Um, he, you know, he brings like the real, <laughs> the yeah. real stuff. And so when you're talking about, I mean, I know, I'm, I know Meridians and I, I, I don't know, I don't know them by name, but I know what you're talking about. So I'm very familiar with that. So when you're talking about you use other, so something, if you're having a headache, it may be coming from an, your heart Meridian or your central Meridian. So you just yeah. have to figure out as a practitioner yeah. where the best points are. Right. And so, so we, we need to come up with a diagnosis mm -hmm. first. So we go through someone's health history if they haven't been in before. If they've been in before, then we just check in on those specific symptoms. But yes, say if it's a headache, we're going to ask specific questions about what type of headache it is, mm -hmm. where it's located, what's happening when it starts, what makes it better, what makes it worse. We're going to get very specific into what's going on and then and then match up. It's like putting a puzzle together. Mm -hmm. Okay, these symptoms, this type of headache equals this. This other type of headache these other symptoms, that equals this other thing. And then I've got my diagnosis. And once I have my diagnosis, I know these certain points are what treat that diagnosis. Say if it's liver cheese stagnation is a really super common one, for mm -hmm. instance. What did I you just say? Liver, liver cheese? cheese stagnation. Mm. So that means, so the liver is responsible for the smooth flow of chi throughout the body, everything moving appropriately. Um, Qi stagnation happening, which is probably like the number one diagnosis in our culture, we are a qi, liver qi stagnation culture, um, means that that flow isn't happening as smoothly as it optimally could, which isn't, so we're basing all of this medicine on the natural world, so it sounds weird at first, but it's actually somewhat easy to understand once you start looking at the natural world kind of it's like you're trying to move something through it's somewhere like water. yeah exactly and it's like it just can't break through this tight or blocked space that kind of thing so chi stagnation happening in your body because it's a really common one we all experience from time to time might look like um like stress stress is going to cause liver chi stagnation and possibly other things but it's going to cause that it's like irritability it's tightness, it's tension, it's having trouble breathing deeply, mm -hmm. it's getting those <clears throat> headaches. Um, so when we have a diagnosis like liver cheese stagnation, we know, okay, certain points on this channel, liver channel in particular, are going to treat that. Maybe some points on some other channels do as well because the channels are all connected in some different ways. <clears throat> and then we are looking at the head. There's headaches. So we might want to open up, use some points to like, open up and relax the neck and the shoulders, for instance. We might want to do some mm. points on the feet to help draw that energy down. You know, headaches are often like energies kind of like rising up and getting stuck in the head. So based on our diagnosis, we're going to make a, a selection of points that fit that diagnosis. Same thing with herbs. Um, I'm really big on herbal medicine, Chinese herbal medicine. And it's such a great additional aid to the acupuncture mm -hmm. treatment. So similarly, certain formulas are going to treat a certain diagnosis, that kind of thing. And then we can modify it if we need to. Um, 
so that's kind of how we go through and then we look at a person's tongue and we take a pulse um, those are just giving us more pieces of the puzzle to see what pattern of imbalance is showing up most amongst all of these things okay. and then sometimes we might palpate too and check for any sensitivity or tenderness or tightness at certain points hmm. to help us select oh my gosh this is so fascinating uh, i could literally listen to you talk about this all day because i think it's um i think what we do in our culture and you can speak to this certainly better than i is just we medicate everything right we oh, go yeah. Um, just pop a pill or whatever if something's hurting just uh, when in reality that's just putting a band-aid over a bigger issue right so oh, if true. you don't get to the core or the points or whatever of what it is you're not actually dealing with the issue that's so, true and I that think, brings yeah, up a, a, something that's really important to me and important to my practice in general which is raising awareness because even with treating with points with treating with acupuncture um I feel like it's a well, it's definitely a more holistic approach. I think we have a chance of getting to the root of things and making it shift in a way that's healthier for people much more quickly and easily. But even then, that doesn't guarantee that you're bringing awareness to something. And if you can bring awareness to what's happening within your body and what's causing it, and as me as a practitioner, if I can support someone in becoming more aware of what's going on for them, then they are so much more likely to find healing in a deeper way and to stop seeing the repeat mm -hmm. of that pattern. So that's kind of more the emotional <clears throat> side that you're talking about, is it? Well, it is and it isn't. Um, I love that Chinese medicine, the acupuncture, the herbs can really help heal emotional things as well as physical things. In Chinese medicine, this is one of the things I love most about it, the physical, mental, and emotional are all completely interconnected, meaning what's going on physically can cause the emotion or vice versa. And we're going to, when we talk about those patterns of imbalance, when we talk about diagnoses, they include both those physical type symptoms and the emotional. Mm -hmm. They're going to go hand in hand, which is something, it's practicing the medicine, it's obvious and you see it across the board, but it's something most people aren't aware of and it's just interesting. Um, and I think it's important to see that and learn about it because it can take off some of that uh, like self-judgment for feeling what you're feeling emotionally. Hmm. When you realize like, oh, okay, this isn't my fault. It's something that's happening within me. Just like you would kind of if you were getting headaches, you wouldn't be like, oh my God, I'm getting those headaches again. I'm just not a good enough person. Why can't I fix this? You'd be like, man, I have a headache. I need to take some Tylenol, you know? So the emotional thing is sort of similar. Like when someone's got stress or tension or anxiety or worry, we often beat ourselves up over mm. the lack of control we have over that thing or like, why is this coming up? Why can't I get past this? And often we need some support. You know, we need to have some shift happening. So the awareness goes hand in hand with that, but awareness even just about what's going on physically. Like we often, we have holding patterns, mm -hmm. you know? We all have physical and emotional holding patterns and if we're able to recognize what we're doing, because we do it subconsciously hmm. all the time, all of us, um, me too, for sure. If we can recognize what we're doing, then we have the opportunity to bring some shift to it. Where, wow. I mean, I love seeing patients, I want them to come in, and we always have stuff we can work on, and we can always do preventative care, and we can always take it deeper. But ideally, you don't have to keep coming in to see us for those headaches because the acupuncture starts enough of a shift going and you start becoming more aware of what's going on in your body such that you can change those holding patterns before the headache even kicks in. Mm -hmm. Like, And that might be something as simple as realizing, oh, I need an ergonomic station at work because I'm sticking my head forward when I'm on the computer all day and tightening up my shoulders. Or it could be more complex like, oh, I'm not happy in my job. I need to change my life, mm -hmm. you know? Or it could be kind of in the middle, like, you know what? I just need to breathe. I need to mm -hmm. do some stretching midday and relax because I'm getting tight. I'm getting tense. I'm holding my breath. Whatever it is that yeah. we yeah. can empower people <clears throat> to heal themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's a much deeper level of medicine. Well, well, and today, medical... Um, not Chinese practice, not your kind of medicine. They want people to be sick. 
It, that's true. Yeah. And and so we keep going back to the doctor. We keep getting new prescriptions instead of really getting down to the root of what's going on and how we can change it through exercise, diet, yeah. meditation, absolutely those kind of practices, acupuncture. You know, so you know, I'm a firm. I mean, I we only take we take one medicine for our thyroid. Um, which seems to happen the older we get, women, it happens in women. But, you know, so I'm not a big, huge fan of medicine Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like it just makes me sicker. Yeah. And so figuring out, coming to a practice such as yours, you know, and and it's not only just coming and learning about yourself, but it's relaxing. It's true. It Mm -hmm. is so relaxing Mm -hmm. to come. I mean, we, my brother gave us, give us a gift certificate to come to you um, a while back and right when you started your practice mm-hmm. it was just you and Lauren uh-huh. um, and now your practice is how many practitioners I think we're at 10 plus we have um, if I'm counting correctly let's see we have two women who rent with us um, one of whose, whom has been with us for almost five years, so I've kind of grandfathered her in mm-hmm. more as like mm-hmm. part of the practice, even though she's not technically. Um, the rest of us, maybe it's nine of us who are like technically Blue Heron. I hope I'm counting correctly. So um, you have nine of you. Yeah. you. So you, how long have you been in business? We're coming up on, well, we're at like four and a half years. We're coming up on five years. Coming up on five years. Uh-huh. And, uh, and and so you you've gone from a small little practice space mm-hmm. to a big a larger space yes with nine to ten practitioners correct hopefully you're not leaving anyone out no <laughs> just say ten just just don't name them don't We're start naming yeah I'm not gonna name them. I mean I mean first of all wow I mean well and you, some of those are part time it doesn't it doesn't matter um you've gone from you and Lauren right to this. Mm-hmm this huge practice i mean there's not do- there's doctor's offices that don't have that many practitioners so that means your business is growing there's your there's more awareness um mm-hmm. on acupuncture and what it is it's just not some kind of voodoo medicine it's it, yeah, it's actually healing medicine where you me i'm taking pretty much responsibility of my healing right. through the through your help, through your guidance. Exactly. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, all growing up, I grew up in a really um, conservative religious home, and so acupuncture was sort of in the new age category of, you know, don't mess around with that because you don't really know what that is. Like, So that has been the programming for me, but as we've gotten to know you and just gotten to, like, I think the world's changed a little bit where we understand that it's, intelligent to believe that Chinese medicine really works like mm-hmm. like that we've gone so far in the western yeah. end and I love that extreme. you don't even have to believe like like people will use the words believe about it which is kind of funny because mm-hmm. it's like it's not something to believe in or not believe in it works it works yeah. <laughs> it's like, I love the example of um like you can come in and not believe and it will still work <laughs> now unless it just like with western medicine of course you want your brain to get behind. You want your brain right. and your heart to get behind your body in something. So if you believe something can work, of course it's more likely to. Yeah. But you don't even have to. Again, like I was very skeptical um, going in. Mm-hmm. And animals are my favorite example in that regard. You know, veterinary acupuncture, which we don't do. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we, we can't um, without becoming vets. Um you know, animals go in for acupuncture and get good results. Hmm. And animals don't believe in it. You know, animals don't right, know what's right. happening. <laughs> well, okay, so with that said, I love that you I love that you um, explained it like that. So can you, without obviously, um, you know, betraying any kind of confidentiality, can you, can you tell a story or two about results that you've gotten with people? And in that, talk about the kind of, presenting issues that you see because people are probably listening to this going well I don't know if acupuncture is for me because mm-hmm. I my liver chi is fine mm-hmm. whatever I mean you yeah. don't know if it is or not but I think if if you can give some like practical tangible like maybe results and presenting things that might be helpful to for sure. listeners to connect with this sure um I have a couple of stories coming to mind let me pause for a second and see what would be if anything else comes to mind as really good ones. Well, two that come to mind, um, 
off the bat. Um, one is from when I was first in the college clinic. So the school we went to is a four-year graduate program, and two years of that was seeing patients in the college clinic, in addition to continuing classes. Um, and there was w this woman I worked with who was just amazing, just one of these people who just touches your life, you know, in a way you'll mm -hmm. never forget her, and just so sweet and fun, and an older woman, about 70, um, and I just loved hearing her perspective on life and her stories. And she had had uh, a lot of trauma as a young person, um, but had a really positive perspective on life, healthy for the most part. Mm. And she started getting uh, an, a jump in her blood pressure. Her blood pressure started getting high. She started getting like blood pressure crisis level numbers, I would say, like up in the 200s even, mm. you know, mm. like, um, pausing, what, what would I call that? Um, there's a word for it I'm blanking on, but um, real, real issue, you mm -hmm. know, getting symptoms with those jumps and started on a medication. And while medications can be really valuable and there are times and places that they can be a good fit for someone, have minimal, you know, negative impact, that kind of thing, a lot of the time it's not really the best fit for someone. A lot of the time, one medication leads to another, leads to another to treat side effects, um, has a negative impact on the body, and or like we were talking about, that bringing awareness and learning to pay attention to your body and make some positive shifts to better take care of yourself. Um, if you're masking symptoms rather than treating the root of something, you're not really getting the opportunity to do that, and then the picture gets more muddied and complicated by all the different things. So that what she was an example of that happening. She started one medication, wasn't seeing results. So the doctors added a second medication, did not take her off the first one, just added a second. In the meantime, she's getting side effects that came along with the first medication. Now she's on a second. I think they even put her on a third. This was several years ago. Um, and her blood pressure was not going down. In the meantime, I'm seeing her start to look glazed over. Like her eyes were losing their spirit, her pulse was changing, um, and she's not getting any any better. So we're doing treatment. This is both of these stories are examples of that love I have for the classical Chinese medicine. Of okay, we're going to use the normal points. We're going to use the traditional approach, primary channels, kind of day to day function first, and most people that's going to take care of the problem. But some people it's not, and we need to look at where this is happening in the body and maybe it's happening at a deeper level. She was one of these people. I'm trying primary treatments. Sure, her blood pressure goes down for like a day or two, but we're not getting it to hold. And finally, we switched to one of these deeper level treatments um, that called Renmai is what I did with her, that deeply nourished her yin, which is the cooling, moistening, quiet, calm, aspect of the body. It also has to do with nurturance and connection. And once we started working there, immediately her blood pressure came down. She was able to stop all of the medications, of course, talking with her doctor, because that's what we always tell people to do. Um, we can't advise them about that. Um, got off all of them. Blood pressure stayed down. No more spikes. She's good. Able to get back to her normal self and her normal life and her spirit returning. And it was amazing to see that and, and an example of, I think that what was going on with her had a lot to do with earlier trauma she had experienced. Mm -hmm. And during that process, when we wow, started this- resurrected those, that much later in her life. Mm -hmm. We can suppress things for a long time, mm -hmm. um, wow. you know, out of survival mm. um, needs. And so while we were doing that work, doing those deeper level treatments, she started talking more and processing some horrendous trauma that had happened as a child and I'd known her for a long time we had a good relationship and this stuff had never come up before and that's why I say I think it was tied in so mm -hmm. it was a wonderful opportunity to get to see someone reclaim their health and she deserved that you know mm -hmm. she deserved to be happy and do some healing and feel good and not feel clouded from you know these medications mm -hmm. or feel scared because she's getting these crazy spikes in her blood pressure so that was a really neat experience. Another and one. How long was that process when you identified that deeper? Um, oh, I mean, channel. once we started treatment, it, it immediately like it was 
the deeper level we often want to to kind of work at for say three months to make a shift and hold it you'll this is something um, that people often you know don't know or have questions about coming in I expect someone to see at least some improvement basically after the first treatment for some conditions we might need three but really I want them to see at least a little improvement with the first but it it's a the question is how many will it take to fully resolve something. Mm -hmm. So just because you're coming in for one treatment right. doesn't mean something will be fully resolved. So her blood pressure went down starting with that first treatment, but I'm pretty sure we did like the full three months to make sure that we were to hold it. Hold, yeah. yeah. Had mm -hmm. had resolved things. And again, she was dealing with some really deep stuff coming up. So you know, I wanted to support her in stability mm -hmm. and that healing opportunity through that as well. Wow. Another good example um, is uh, an older gentleman who's also 70, um, who is just an incredible person and spirit and a big friend of Blue Herons in general, um, who still comes in. And he started coming in. Fortunately, his chiropractor recommended it to him because he was about to get... Um, surgery on his back. He was having pain radiating from, you know, a degenerative um, lumbar disc issue into his leg. He was having trouble walking. Um, this had been going on for a while. He'd been trying chiropractic. He'd been trying, you know, massage other things and wasn't getting, you know, enough improvement. And so we started, again, kind of with that day-to-day -day sort of primary treatment, which again, does work for most, most people. Um, and he saw some improvement, but we weren't getting where I would expect within the time frame I expected. And so based on his pulse, because we look for these different treatment or meridian issues on the pulse too, um, as well as what someone's communicating, uh, we went to what's called a divergent meridian treatment. And divergents are fascinating. They're one I'm so glad I got the opportunity to learn because they relate to autoimmune conditions, cancer, any, a lot of stubborn, weird, chronic issues where something's not responding kind of in the normal way. Um, divergence are for conditions where something's being held in latency in the body, like your body wasn't able to deal with it, whether that came from an, an external source like a virus maybe, that your body never fully pushed out and so it had to hold mm. it in latency in the big joints usually in order to protect your your vital organs because you don't mm. want that wow. that so pathogen going somewhere that can kill you yeah. so rather than die your body will hold on to it and put it somewhere um, safe but this often shows up with autoimmune things because even though you're trying to hold it certain environmental stimuli might kind of activate it a little bit or maybe some of it's not being held fully and a little bit's getting released and so you start getting more superficial uh, level symptoms it's it's a much more kind of complex complicated system mm -hmm. uh, it's not something we just jump to for everyone um, but yeah it's fascinating and it can provide incredible results for people so this gentleman was not getting enough improvement with the kind of typical treatments which usually would work for someone with back pain or sciatic pain, that kind of thing, like very easily. And so on his pulse, I felt like there was a divergent pulse showing up, did this treatment, and immediately he started showing much greater improvement. He avoided back surgery entirely. Four years later, he still hasn't needed it, thank goodness. Something we definitely want to avoid for patients if we can. Mm -hmm. um, and so... His back got much better. He's been doing great. Um, but it was really neat because similarly, he, and this wasn't something I was expecting or pushing for or anything, but he really got to do some emotional healing through that process too. He really, um, he got to process some grief he'd been holding. I wasn't even like, you know, trying to push for that mm. at all. Um, but I love it when someone mm. does want to go there and, um, because it's liberating for them. Mm -hmm. You know, so often we have things we haven't had a chance to resolve or heal, or we haven't gotten to fully accept ourselves. And so it's a very liberating thing to heal on a deeper, more, more comprehensive way. And this gentleman is just an incredibly beautiful person who mm. is very special and like brings a lot of joy to all of us. But he got to do some deeper work himself. Like he did it. You know, I didn't do it. He 
Mm-hmm. He's the one who did this processing and these different things. And um, so we, you know, he still comes in and we just, we work on other things that are going on because all of us have stuff we can work mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Um, but it's great because hopefully this means that his health is, you know, stays at an optimal place, you know, for the rest of his life. Yeah. Where yeah. He can come in and... Yeah, I joke with him that it's like he gets younger and and younger. <laughs> Each of the buttons. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, the, the body to me is so fascinating that I mean, we can we can take traumas or we can take other um, external ex, uh, experiences or diseases or whatever and meta and it manifests in different areas so of the body. True. So for someone like you, it is like putting together a puzzle yeah. to figure out like why I have these headaches are probably not any, I don't have a brain tumor or anything, it's probably because I had childhood trauma that I'm still holding on to that I, you know, hadn't let go. But it takes That's going through point. the process mm. of entrusting. And I think you are just such a nurturer anyway. Mm-hmm. So like you're, this. so you, like, you you automatically bring that in and people automatically, to me, I feel like people would automatically be comfortable with you. Um, not that they're going in to bring up all this that they've probably forgotten about or tried to tried to push away. But the more they push it away, it, it blocks the meridians. It's true. And so then you see stuff like fibromyalgia, uh, hypertension, you know, all these, you know, um, migraine headaches, which I feel like uh, a lot of these diseases that have manifested in the body are because of things a loss, a, ch- a loss of a child, a loss of a parent, uh, childhood trauma, you know, some kind of post-traumatic stress disorder that it, it, that's, that's happened that is, yeah. is showing up in the body as a, a medical situation. Mm-hmm. And instead of treating it with drugs, let's treat it with healing and letting go and figuring out through other alternatives like an acupuncture yeah. or Chinese medicine or Chinese... Um, Water uh, herbs. What or yeah. water <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and um and it's funny because we don't go into treating someone like trying to get this to happen or like no. being like unless someone if someone brings it forth, we are so happy to to talk about it and to bring to their treatment like what they're trying to heal or what their intentions are. Because this is a wonderful medicine too, something I love that I think y'all will appreciate is like working with people as they're making transitions through life, like Mm. trying to make the big decisions. That's something I see a lot in patients is like just trying to put their life together in a better way. Even if they're not dealing with, you know, quote unquote trauma, just needing support through like, I'm trying to better themselves as people, trying to, trying to improve their life and make it what they really want it to be. Um, So anything that they want to bring in as their intention for themselves is wonderful and helps us with mm-hmm. our point selection mm-hmm. or whatnot and just makes it even more interesting, you know, mm-hmm. and fun to work with them. But we definitely don't go into it being like, I'm going to dig into this person's trauma, no. you know, but it's, and for some people, we never, ever get anywhere close to touching on that. So I say that partly so people aren't like, oh, I'm not going because right. I don't no, want to touch no. it. <laughs> yeah. But, but oh man, I love it. great it's, healing even if they don't dive it's into true. Absolutely. It. And it's so great because sometimes there are even particular treatments that speak specifically to this, but sometimes you don't even have to process it to let it go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just need, that's one thing I love because again, not everyone does, but I love working with the emotional stuff. I love that trauma healing. That's the stuff that gets me even more excited. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes someone, like say if someone's trying to deal with something emotional going on, like chronic anxiety, which mm-hmm. is super common. Yes, go do the talk therapy because it is so important and it's amazing for sure. And acupuncture works like so beautifully hand in hand with that. Or go do whatever it is that works for someone. Get outside which is like the best healing period, you know, go do the yoga, go do whatever it is. But sometimes like, especially like when you think about counseling for psych, for like anxiety, sometimes someone can get only so far with that. And then it's like, you just need to move something physically, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, okay, I've done, I'm trying to process, I'm looking in, I'm doing the work and I'm still here. I'm still having anxiety. And that's one thing I love about acupuncture is Sometimes we just need that physical level support mm-hmm. to move it. And mm-hmm. like I said, 
those things are completely connected. So when we see someone with anxiety, we tend to think about the heart in Chinese medicine. We're usually going to see symptoms that relate to that as well, like you know, digestive upset when they're feeling anxious, or palpitations in their chest, or their heart fluttering, or if there's, you know, maybe their thoughts going round and round with it, or, or getting tight with it, whichever one it is that speaks to us about the channels most involved. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's just nice to like, let's move things here so mm -hmm. you can make some greater pro progress. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you can just let go of things without having to, you know, kind of quote process right. it or tell the story yeah you can just like open Flush the window out. and mm -hmm. let it out yeah, yeah. Hmm. so Which that's a great thing I, too. I, I feel like people have a lot of trouble doing that <laughs> i know well i'm I mean, already, I'm already acupuncture. Thinking how, i need to sign myself up with lisa yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly it's great well, you know you talked about also and I, I don't know how much time we have but you talked about how you know it's an art well you're also an artist which is to me, goes hand in hand with what you do because you do some amazing artwork. Well, if y'all have never I seen her, well, <laughs> well, you know, you do have a, a one, a fifteen month old running around and and taking up a lot of your time and and a wonderful husband too. But we actually have a piece of your artwork over on our piano. Um, but you do, um, you do that paper art. Well, I do paper cuts, but it's been a while. Yeah, I haven't had very much time, unfortunately. But it's so intrinsic. I mean, and intricate, is that the word mm -hmm. I'm looking yeah. for? I mean, it's so detailed. I've never seen anything. I mean, no. anything like what you do. And you and uh, Seth, your husband is also an artist. Yeah. Um, and he does pen art, mm -hmm. which is People like to joke when they see both of those types of art that we do side by side. Who's more obsessive? <laughs> <laughs> but I, the funny that's, thing is, um, so yeah, I do love it, um, and I don't miss it as much as I as one might expect because my work is such a creative mm -hmm. place for me. And um, both as a practitioner, which is first and foremost, but also as a business owner, it's. Like, I bring my creativity to that, mm -hmm. but I would like to get back into it. But what's kind of funny is what I've been doing in the past couple years when I have time, which isn't as much as I would like, is more like abstracts. So it's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum oh. of paper cuts. It's like messy, and oh, wow. I don't have to be exact at all, and it's completely going by gut and intuition and letting things flow as they do. How do you like do with that? Letting mistakes be... Huh. the impetus for what the next move is. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm good at it yet, but I, I love it. It's yeah. really fun. How do I deal with that? No, I said, how do you, how are you doing with that? Like the being going from like perfect to abstract. Oh, I love it. It's what yeah. I, it's what I've needed recently. Mm. I think like I haven't had, um, I think because work has been so busy, um, especially on well, both the practitioner and administrative sides, I don't have time or the folk like, the paper cuts take like 40 hours each, um, so I don't have that time, nor do I want to put in that kind of focus mm -hmm. into something because mm -hmm. I'm doing that at work. Right. Yeah. So it's been a nice reprieve, but hopefully I can mm. do more later. Yeah. yeah. Um, so are you guys growing word of mouth? Is that is that kind of how you, are you doing a lot of marketing? Um, no, we're growing word of mouth. and Which um, is awesome. Yeah, word of mouth mostly and just people finding us on our website. Mm -hmm. um, I love doing it. You know, everyone has their different thing that's what they enjoy as far as getting the word out there. And I love doing, um, like, workshops and classes. Hmm. So that's something I do a few times a year, uh, which would be the closest thing I do to marketing um, just because it's outside of, right. Mm -hmm. right. you know, just patient-to-patient -patient word of mouth. But those are that's super fun, too. Yeah. Wow. Okay, we have to, um, I always am shocked, and this time even more, but how quickly the time flies. I mean, we need to wrap this up, but um, we're going to ask you a couple of questions. Like, we wrap up the majority of our podcast episodes, so you give us a couple of numbers. Um, give Stace one first, and then me, and then Stace, and then I'll wrap it up with mine, and we'll ask you the number, the question that's associated with that number. Okay. 17. 17. What accomplishment are you most proud of? Pushing my baby out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In water. In water. He came out swimming. He came out swimming. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me. The business.
this would be the second right <laughs> one yeah. piece yeah the baby oh <laughs> and he, he's adorable <laughs> cute little guy yes he is all right a number mm-hmm. 39 39 um if you could be anywhere else right now where would you be Oh, man, I have the travel bug so bad right now. Chicago. Chicago is my favorite place. Yeah? Really? Uh-huh. Huh. Chicago. Yeah. Awesome. Why? pizza? <laughs> I, um, I just love the aesthetic of it, mm. the the feel of the place, the architecture. The architecture the, is amazing. Yeah, it's just beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big city as well as the smaller neighborhoods. Um, the public transportation's easy. The people are friendly. There's a lot of arts and culture there. Yeah, the vibe just feels good to me. Mm-hmm. I'd be there if it weren't so cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is yeah. cold up there. Oof. We did the um, the tour on the water, the architectural. Yeah, it's that was awesome. Probably one of the best. I don't like tours, but that was an amazing, oh, really? amazing tour. Yeah, that was pretty cool. All right, what's the next one? Seventy-one. Seventy. Uh, nope. One seventy. 70. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, then we begin the circle over again. That's Chinese medicine, so number one. (laughs) Um, What do you think is the greatest invention of all time? Oh, gosh. Um, I guess fire. Fire? Is that propelled? That's right. (laughs) Otherwise, I have no idea. Of course, we're going to get a really deep answer like fire, not like some product that she's used like. Because it propelled us. Now we can cook. We can heat our homes. We yeah. can heat our bodies. We, we evolved. We grew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. One more. Um, 42. First of all, do you know who created fire? Um, Adam. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <Yeah. laughs> Jeez. Uh, okay. What's one thing that you do that people think is crazy and why do you do it? Acupuncture. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yes, I picked easy ones. <laughs> easy ones. And, but why do you do it? You've, mm. you've, you've oh my God, I love dedicated it. your entire life to yeah. acupuncture. It's a big commitment, too. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, I just love it. It's, it's everything. It's funny because everything that I was finding interest in, um, I was looking for what to do as a career for a, a few years there in the Oakland and early Asheville years. And just not finding the right fit and really feeling like I had a calling to do something specific, like feeling that need or that draw and not knowing what it was and looking and looking. And it's a tough place to be in when you're trying to find Mm -hmm. that fit and not finding it. And again, like I was telling you earlier, I fell into acupuncture completely accidentally. I had zero interest. I'm terrified of needles. It was only because I just randomly got a job working at this school, which I then quit working at when my ex and I split up. So I was there for a year. Then Mm -hmm. I moved back to Charleston, thinking I'd probably go back to Oakland. And it's just worked being here. And it's been this very supportive, motivating place for me to be this time, like coming back. Um, And I took three years to decide on going to school after working there Mm because I was like... this feels right, but I don't want to just jump into something and change my mind. It's really expensive. It's a big commitment. Um, and then I ended up going back um, and then, you know, staying connected to Charleston and setting up my clinic here after school. But it combines all of my interests hmm. in this perfect way I didn't even know I was looking for. Like it combines the art and the creativity and I'm kind of a poet before I am an artist, the be- the poetry, the beauty and inspiration, the connection to the natural world, and my desire to, to help or be a support to people um, and to contribute to the world being a better place. It combines all of those things as well as the practicalities of how I work well. Like I work well on my own, but I love to work with other people to a degree mm-hmm. also. Um, so yeah, it just it fits me like a glove, you know, and I didn't even know I was looking for that or that it existed. I have to say we've done, this is our 58th podcast episode. And I have to say you're the first person that, um, 
that really feels to be true for me with you where mm -hmm. you are and not that everybody else wasn't in what they were supposed to be doing or whatever. Obviously, everybody that we've interviewed is amazing at what they do and they're true GSD entrepreneurs. You, to me, feel like you're in this different kind of sweet spot. And even just spending the last hour with you and knowing you from before this, but everything about, I mean, it literally feels like your fingers have intertwined, and I'm doing this motion, but they've intertwined around this of who you are and what you love. and. And then the result of that is that you're 100% growing your business by word of mouth because you 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 practice on people in such a way that they have to tell somebody else, mm -hmm. you know. And you've I recruited. Hope so. <laughs> and, and my my thought would be that because everything sort of is in harmony with you, you've recruited people who match up with yeah. that. And yeah, so now you're huge. you're multiplying yourself by adding these. 10 people on to what you're doing. And so now it's these ripple effects that are going out into Charleston that are affecting so yeah. many people's mm -hmm. lives. Yeah, it's really, it's really cool. amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's a, well, thank you. That's a great way of putting it. And yeah, I'm so, um, that's for another day, but the whole transition and growth and vulnerability and learning that has come along more with the business piece is its own other thing that mm -hmm. is both inspiring and terrifying and challenging at different times but I'm so excited and feel so lucky that the people who are working with me are these women who have passion and warmth and connect and care and that we really support and fuel hmm. one another and keep each other being better and better yeah um and that's yeah that's a huge thing really exciting yeah. mm -hmm. well, i love it so, so your new location um yeah, is west on ashley. west ashley 61 right correct and um right across uh blue rose cafe uh -huh. right around that area yep we're in between charleston florist and salon utopia okay the cooper school is on the other side of that when you're leaving downtown charleston you pass past Blue Rose Cafe and Charleston Angler and we're another few doors down okay. on the opposite side mm -hmm. of the road. And we've got five treatment rooms now and uh, more space for our apothecary goods. And what that is, is really the herbal side and the essential oil goodies that we make and just a few other products that we love that we bring in to promote like self-care and people creating those ritual moments for themselves that encourage their self-awareness and, you know, relaxation and all of that mm. good stuff. Them and you also offer classes. Mm -hmm. um, and so you do different classes on, like right yeah. now you're doing something with the seasons? Or maybe um, I do that. workshops by, for the seasons, um, sometimes publicly. This was a private one. Uh, we do have events listed on our website, hopefully up to date most of the time. But next up are, I'm doing a facial cupping and gua sha class at Wildcraft on May 7th. These workshops are super popular. Hmm. Um, these are techniques that work like magic. I'm not joking. And Facial cupping? Uh-huh. Facial cupping and gua sha. And they're awesome because they work super well, but people can do them at home. So this class teaches people, gives them the tools and teaches them how to do it themselves um, to provide like an alternative to the aging that's you know, hmm. routes most people are going nowadays. It's a really, it's a huge topic on itself that I'm really passionate about, but it's, it's a big one to promote p women's self-love and self-care and self-acceptance as they're getting older um, to look at, okay, how can you feel good about yourself and look your best, but do it in a way that's healthier for you mm -hmm. and learn to accept yourself in that process because it's something we do not have many good models for right now in our society at all. You know, mm -hmm. it's like right. it's yeah. most women are not wanting to accept the version of themselves that's it. coming yeah. as they get older. I'm one of those. Um, it's a tough one. It's a <laughs> yeah. largely tough because there are not many good models for yeah. it. Right. There's not much, um, you know, you'd feel alone. Like I'm sort of, I'm trying to prepare already I mean, I've got plenty of gray hairs, but I'm trying to mentally prepare for not dyeing my hair. Mm -hmm. Because most women, and it's, people can, can dye their hair, that's fine, but most women are. So if I'm like the one gray one <laughs> in the room, you know, it's like it's an uncomfortable thing. Hmm. Um, we just don't have many, um, many models. Hmm. They are out there, but we don't have many models, especially for that kind of interim couple decades between 
middle age and, and yeah. older, older age. Right. Um, so this is a huge one. Um, and people can start using it at any age. It works just so well and it's easy. Um, so that's coming up. And then Dana, who does health and nutrition coaching with us, is doing a workshop at Wildcraft on May 17th that's on um, foods for healthy skin. Hmm. And then we're working together on a clean beauty mini retreat, like a half-day retreat, June 9th at Cannon Green mm -hmm. that Dana's organizing oh, cool. that will include the facial cupping too. Um, that will be really special and sweet and a nice time. So we've got a few things coming up. And nice. I love it. So what we'll do is on our website, if you're listening to this and you want to know more about that, we'll link Lisa and Blue Heron, um, mm -hmm. all the links on our website so you can go follow her or go to her website from our website. So anyway, we need to wrap this up. Uh, we've gone over time, but this has been incredibly valuable to me and I'm hoping to you as well as a listener. Lisa, thank you so much for thanks, your time. Thanks guys. Yeah. It was yeah. super fun. It was super fun. And thanks for all that you're doing for the Charleston community and beyond. Yes. I mean, cause you impact somebody here and it, the ripple effects like we talked about earlier are huge so thank yeah. you for that for bringing your um, expertise to this community um, as a listener thank you for um, or to the listeners thank you for uh, tuning in to us once again like we always say but we really mean it you have a lot of choices out there nowadays in the podcast world and we're pretty excited you chose us today so that you would get to know our dear friend Lisa thank thanks you. all right have a good day